You have such a cool church, and there's not many of them in the country, okay? So I don't get to every weekend I'm not in one, but I'm in yours today. So we're going to have a great time. We're going to enjoy. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? Uh, some churches I'm in, they didn't have enough joy to whip a sick rabbit. They're not very joy, but we're going to have some joy today. Uh, and I've become great friends with your pastor, and actually I've become his personal psychologist. And so when I leave, he's going to actually seem normal for a while, all right? So, uh, and then I'll have to come back and normal him up again, you know, how, how that works. People sometimes ask me what I do. Best way I can explain what, what I do is, well, let me just ask you, how many remember when the only thing you had to play with was the outside? Anybody remember that? You know, the outside. Yeah. Uh, my mother used to say, get out of here, go outside, go play in the ditch. You know, that's what we had, the, the ditch. And that's what we go play in the ditch. Uh, and so uh, now, actually now, uh, it's easier to travel with my grandkids than it was my kids because now, I mean, they don't look up. I mean, they just do this the whole time. You know, I told my grandson the other day, why don't you come over to my house and I'll watch you stare at your phone. And, uh, you know, we just have some quality time together and watch you staring at your phone. Uh, uh, but they're easy to travel with because they just, they just look down. You don't have to worry about them. You know, when, I, when we travel, we had the outside. So what did you have to do? You had to count cows or Volkswagens. Remember that? You know? And so after like 50 miles, you're done. I mean, then they're in the back seat saying things like, she's breathing my air, you know, stuff like that. You know? uh, I used to tell my wife, any trip over 100 miles, I know why animals eat their young, because you know, this is tough. This is tough. You know? uh, but the only thing we had to play with was the outside. So we played marbles. Anybody remember marbles? It's going to be like the History Channel for some of you today. Anybody remember marbles? Okay, marbles. Uh, so you, you named them. You know, roly-polies, black beauties, steelies. You know, you named your marbles. Well, uh, my dad was a Baptist preacher. That, that's why I became a psychologist. And so... Uh, uh, <laughs> My dad was a Baptist preacher, and so he said, you could play marbles, but you can't play for keeps, you know, because that's too much like gambling, and, you know, Baptists, we're pretty much against everything, and so uh, if, if it tastes good, spit it out. If it's fun, you ain't doing it, and so, you know, that's how I grew up, so, uh, so you can play marbles, but you can't play, for, you know, you can't play for keeps. Well, I'm a kid, so what do I do? I play for keeps, you know. I disobey, and, and there's always a bully in the neighborhood, somebody bigger, somebody stronger, and he'd threaten to... Uh, beat you up or he'd cheat. And then, and then after a while, you, you realize, I've lost my marbles. I've lost my marbles. Well, how are you going to get your marbles back? Well, you had to go back to your dad and you had to tell him the truth. You know, you got to face it to fix it. And so I had to, you know, be honest and say, I disobeyed. I played for keeps and I've lost my marbles. And then your, your dad would go confront the bully. Sometimes the bully's dad and, and get your marbles back. Well, that's what I do. I go around the country. I am a psychologist, and lots of people, well, they've lost their marbles. And so uh, I tell them how good their Heavenly Father is and how they got to tell the truth. You know, got to face it to fix it. You got to go to the Heavenly Father, tell him the truth, and you can get your marbles back. So that's what I do. We're going to get a few marbles back today. And of course, we do bring resources because I can't get all of them back. All right. So some of you need that full-time guy in your car, a psychologist. So, but, so today we're going to get as many back as, as we can. And I'm going to give you some visuals so you can understand it. Because I've always been very practical. You're going to get a practical message. Even when I was in private practice, I was practical. One of my first patients couldn't remember anything. I said, when did your problem start? He said, I can't remember. I said, how long have you had it? He said, I can't remember. I said, what have you done about it? He said, I can't remember. Doc, I can't remember anything. What do I do? I said, here's what you do. You pay me in advance. That's what you do. Uh, so uh, always been very practical, you understand? 
So let's me see if I can give you a visualization here. Let's just say we're going to watch a, uh, have a party, maybe watch a ball game, maybe watch the Cowboys because I'm a huge Cowboy fan. Uh, they're, uh, uh, they're actually going to be pallbearers at my funeral so they can let me down one last time. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, let's just say maybe watch a game and, you know, maybe grill some steaks. Everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's having fun and grill's getting good and hot and friend of ours walks in, Bill. We wave at Bill. Bill waves at us, and then Bill puts his hand on the grill and burns himself severely. We go, good night. Did you see Bill? Why'd he do that? You know, they take him to the hospital, man. They savage him up, bandage him up. And you call a couple of weeks. He's doing good and taking the, go take that bandage off. About a month later, he's all healed. It's about five weeks later. We're going to have another cookout and grill some steaks, maybe watch another game. Everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's laughing. Grill's getting good and hot. And Bill walks in. I mean, you kind of feel it tense up. I mean, he's by the grill. I mean, what do you do? Do you say, get away from the grill, Bill? Remember what happened last time? And, you know, uh, uh, well, you don't do anything because, you know, we're Christians and we'd rather look good than tell the truth, right? So we just kind of just sit there. And so... Uh, and Bill puts his hand on the grill again and burns himself severely. Now, you and I just standing around talking, it may go something like this. That Bill, he's a nice guy, isn't he? You know, my kids play with his kid on the same soccer team. I see him just about every Saturday. And, you know, he's, he seems pretty normal in just about every area of his life. But when it comes to grills... Bill's nuts, isn't he? Nuts. See what he did? He's nuts. Well, let me tell you about your life. You're pretty normal in just about every area. But I guarantee you, there's one area, if we could look at it really close, here's what we'd say. That's just nuts. I mean, why do you do that or say that or get defensive about that or get depressed about that or get anxious about this? Uh, I don't have time to do individual therapy, you understand? You've got to kind of, you know, do part of it yourself. Uh, but there's one thing that just burns you over and over again. I know all the old psychiatrist jokes. Remember the old psychiatrist joke where the guy goes see the psychiatrist? You've got two burned ears. Psychiatrist says, man, what happened? He said, oh, I was ironing. The phone rang. Picked up the iron. He says, yeah, but both your ears are burned. He said, they call back. <laughs> see, that's what happens with your habits. They call back. You see, at first you have habits, then habits have you. It's like the uh, pastor, he's kind of want to make friends with the neighborhood kids. So he uh, bought a used lawnmower from a neighborhood kid, paid 50 bucks or whatever, but he just could not get it to start. I mean, he was really getting frustrated with this lawnmower. He just couldn't get it to start. So a couple of days later, he runs into the same kid. He said, kid, you're the kid that sold me a lawnmower. You sold me a lawnmower that doesn't start. Kid said, well, it does start. He said, no, it doesn't start. Kid got a little sheepish grin on his face. Well, Pastor, I, I didn't want to tell you, but it, it does start. He said, what do you mean you don't want to tell me? It doesn't start. He said, no, Pastor, it will start, but you're the pastor. I didn't want to tell you. It's just the way this lawnmower has always been. It's weird, but, but it's just the way it is. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you, it, it, this lawnmower doesn't start unless you cuss. I mean, that's just the way it's always been. 
and I knew you were the pastor, and I didn't want to tell you, but that's, that's the way it is. It doesn't cuss. You don't cuss. It doesn't start. And the pastor says, well, young man, I am the pastor, and I do not cuss. Matter of fact, it's been so long since I cussed, I don't even remember how. He said, pull it about five or six more times. It'll all come back. <laughs> well, that's the way your life is. You know, you say you're not going to do it or spend it or whatever, and then your mate pulls on you or your kids pull on you or they pull on you at work, and it all comes back. So we're going to talk about your habits. But let me, before I do that, let me just give you some free therapy, okay? won't charge the church anymore for this. Let me just give you free therapy, all right? It's going to be group therapy because you can't really afford me individually, but it's going to be free, okay? Uh, so audience participation, if you don't participate, it won't work, okay? So put your hand over your heart. I'm going to lead you in a little pledge. So repeat after me. I, being of sound mind, do hereby acknowledge that I have not nor have I ever, or will I ever, control the universe. Therefore, I resign as general manager of the universe. Don't you feel better already? He's God, you're not. Get over it. You see, most of you, I can tell you where most of your stress, most of your frustration comes from. You're trying to straighten out somebody else. I mean, they've already come to mind, haven't they? You know, if you go, you could just straighten out. You see, if your goal in life is to straighten out somebody else, the only person you can be is a mortician. That's the only guy that can straighten people out. They'll stay straight. Otherwise, you've got to get up every morning and re-straighten them again. The Bible says that if you're not careful what you live with, we call your Adam suit, your earth suit, will keep you from being the person that God created you to be. So we all come from Adam's family. Remember Uncle Adam? You know, uh, we all come from Adam's family, and we get this earth suit. And everything spiritual you do in this world, you have to do it through this Adam suit. And your spirit has an upward call, but your Adam suit has a downward drift. You see, your Adam suit does not want to act better. It wants to feel better. It does not want education. It wants medication. It does not want a plan. It wants a pill. It's, a, it's after immediate gratification, and it just wants to feel good. And if you're not careful, that will keep you from your calling in life. And the more you can redeem your Adam suit, the more successful you're going to be down here. Matter of fact, we did have a coach at the Cowboys at one time, and his name was Tom Landry. Here's what he said. My job as a coach is to make guys do what they do not want to do in order to accomplish what they've dreamed of doing all their lives. That's the job of a coach. That's the job of a teacher. That's the job of a parent. Matter of fact, that's your job. Your job is to try to get your Adam suit to do what it does not want to do in order to accomplish what you've dreamed or, be or become what you dreamed of being all your life. Matter of fact, if you read the Old Testament, there's an interesting phrase in the Old Testament. It says the phrase this way. It says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember that phrase all through the Old Testament? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was really supposed to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. 
You see, Esau and Jacob were brothers, but Esau couldn't control his Adam suit. He couldn't control his appetite. And one day he wanted some stew, and he wanted it right now. Your Adam suit always wants what it wants, and it wants it right now. So it says, I got to have that stew. And his brother says, you can't have the stew. It's my stew. He said, well, I got to have it. I got to have the stew. I need it. I need it right now. He said, well, the only way you can get your stew is you give up that birthright. And in that day, the birthright was huge. That was really a dream. That was a calling. That was incredible. And he gave it up because he wanted it right now. He wanted, to, he wanted that appetite to be fulfilled. And it became not only he lost that calling in his life. People say, would anybody really do that, you know, for an appetite, give up their calling? People do that every day. In fact, people miss out every day on God's best for them. Why? Because they can't seem to control that Adam suit. Now, remember, you'll never actually totally redeem it. God's got to kill it to get you into heaven, okay? Jesus came to live the life you'll never be able to live, to die the death you couldn't die to get you into God's heaven. So don't get that confused. It's not anything about up there. That's all about Jesus. But down here, the more you can control it, the better off you'll be. It's almost like a dog. You ever been to somebody's house where the dog control the house? I mean, you're on the porch and the dog is licking you and getting on your leg and you're saying, get away from me, dog. And you're ringing the doorbell saying, come help me, get away from this dog. And finally they come and open the door and you're getting away from the dog and they invite the dog in with you. And they may give you something to eat and you're trying to eat and the dog's trying to get you food and you're trying to keep the dog down and eat at the same time and he's going, this is... And then they always say this, is the dog bothering you? (laughs) I want to say, is this a C&I dog? You know, because evidently you're totally blind. Yes, the dog is bothering me. Uh, And then they say, oh, that's how the dog shows affection. If you've got a dog like that, don't invite me to your house. It's miserable. It's miserable. I've been to people's houses. They control the dog. They tell it when to sit. They tell it when to get. And it's a pretty reasonable existence. That's the way it is with your Adam suit. You see, the world says, remember the world's a Ponder scheme. The world says, just follow your heart. You follow your heart. If I followed my heart, I'd weigh 300 pounds. You better not follow your heart. (laughs) Your heart's deceitful above all things. You have to guide your heart. You have to lead your heart. But see, the world's a Ponzi scheme. The world is always saying things like this. You can have this without that. You can have pleasure without consequences. You can have uh, rewards without risk. You can have this without that. You can't have this without that. Guys, when I was in private practice in Dallas, they'd call me up and say, I'm all stressed out. I need to see a psychologist. I say, you stressed out? Yeah. Why are you so stressed out? Traffic, traffic's stressing me out. I said, traffic? Got to see a psychologist because traffic's stressing you out. Yeah, stressing me out. I say, well, let me ask you some questions. Maybe, maybe you won't have to come in. When you moved to Dallas, did you know people lived here? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, did you know they had cars? Well, yeah. Well, did you know they drove to work every day? I mean, I'm trying to figure out here. And I said, let's, let's back up. Let's, let's go from a different direction. Why did you move to Dallas? He said, oh, man, the economy is so good. Man, I got the, I am making the most money I've ever made. I live in the best house. I mean, everything, the whole neighborhood's new. All the schools are new. Man, all the stuff that's going up, man, the, things are just booming here. And there's all kind of stuff to do on the weekends. I said, that's why everybody else moved here, too. I said, here's what you do. You won't have to come in and talk to me if you do this. You need to move to Mule Shoe, Texas. 
Milshi, where's that? Well, nobody really knows where it is. Actually, it's way out. It's, it's right there in West Texas where God got real tired. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's like the rainbows are in black and white. It's so far out there. Man, it's way out there. Well, I don't have a job in Milshi. No, and you, you probably won't find one either. And, uh, and there's really not that, houses aren't that good, and the schools are not really good. And, but, and, and there's definitely nothing to do on the weekends. But guess what? No traffic. <laughs> and they'll say, well, I, I think I want to stay in Dallas. I says, well, you better make an appointment because you don't get Dallas without traffic, you see. You don't get this without that. Now, it would be so easy if that was the way it was and it was that simple. The problem is it's not that simple because the world's a Ponzi scheme. The fact of the matter is you can have this without that but only for a short period of time. But the problem is, by the time you have this, by the time the that shows up, you're addicted to the this, you see, and you become your habit pattern. You see, if things happen immediately, if that happened immediately after this, I wouldn't have to go around the country telling people how to live. They would figure it out. See? Uh, give me an example of that. I, uh, I was speaking in Mobile, Alabama. My wife was with me. I was just about to close the curtain in the hotel. You know, it's getting dark outside. Those big old curtains, just about to close that big curtain when the hot light on the Krispy Kreme came on, like, like boom, a sign from God, you know, boom. So I said, look, honey, Krispy Kreme, sign from God. I said, let's get some exercise and walk down to the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> I'm going to teach you a phrase. It's called rationalize. It's rational lies. <laughs> it's lies that you tell yourself to convince yourself to get what you want. You know, it's a rational lie. We do it all the time. So I said, let's get some exercise to walk down to Krispy Kreme. A rational lie. When we get to the Krispy Kreme, they're cheaper by the dozen. Okay. <laughs> So another rational lie, we will save money if we buy 12, okay? Uh, and that's when I realized I could eat eight by myself. I mean, it's just hot fried sugar just melts in your mouth. And, and it was just pure pleasure. No consequences whatsoever. I didn't have to change my belt size. I didn't have to buy a bigger shirt. No consequences whatsoever. Unfortunately, if I do that regularly, I may get on the scale. It may say one at a time, please, because <laughs> I'm going to get big. You understand? Now, what if that showed up with the this? I mean, what if I took a bite of Krispy Kreme and fat went, Bloop, I'd go, good night. Did you see that? See that fat jump out of that donut like that? I, that's, a, that's a fat donut. I'm not getting close to that donut. I don't. I want to get out of here. See, it doesn't work like that. First, you have this. Then it has you. Matter of fact, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, "Like a dog returns to its vomit." Don't even want to do it. But you end up doing it. So how do we get control of this Adam's suit? Well, it's interesting. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
See, laughter gives you energy to do what you couldn't otherwise do. Joy is like a muscle that helps you do what you didn't think you could do. That's why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Some of you, your halo's on way too tight, okay? You've lost your joy. You've gotten religious instead of being like Jesus. See, Jesus had a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, he had so much fun, he, all the religious people didn't like him because he had so much fun. Uh, he, when he started his ministry, you would think Jesus would start his ministry with something what we call holy. You know, like maybe an all-night crusade or all-night prayer meeting or, you know, or just pray forever. You know how he started his ministry? He went to a party. He went to the wedding feast at Cana. He went to a party. He didn't share the four spiritual laws with anybody. He didn't even do anything spiritual except connect with people, which is probably the most spiritual thing anybody could ever do. And so he just connected with people, had a good time. I won't even get in the water wine deal. I did that in children's church one time. Asked a little boy, why did Jesus turn the water to wine? And the little boy said, to keep the party going. And so uh, <laughs> he just had fun. He just enjoyed life. You know, growing up in that uh, pastor's home, I can remember we, got, we moved to the parsonage. The parsonage is at the church. Whoever thought of that, it's not very smart. But then we... We moved a mile away where the, uh, had to drive to church every day. And Sunday mornings were not much fun. I mean, screaming, hollering, 32 seconds to eat your Fruit Loops. Praise God, you're going to church, you know, and all that. When's the last time you had fun? When's the last time you just enjoyed life? Some of you guys... After church today, if you just got in the car and said, what can we do for fun today? Your kids would go, what? <laughs> Dad, have fun? He's never wanted to have fun. I mean, he's snorting sweet and low or something. We need to talk to the pastor. I mean, this is tough, you know. <laughs> Laughter. Enjoy life. A stands for appreciate. In this world... It's a fallen world. There's something wrong with everything. God's got to create a new heaven and a new earth. This world's never, it's, it's something wrong with everything in this world. Something wrong with you, something wrong with me, something wrong with your pastor, something wrong with your car. You don't know it yet. There's something wrong with everything. And if you're not careful, that's what you focus on. Remember we all come from Adam's family? Remember Uncle Adam and Aunt Eve? They had everything, the, what, everything they could ever dream of except one thing. And what did they focus on? The one thing they didn't have. And that's in us. That's in me and that's in you. If you're not careful, you focus not on the fact of what you have. You focus on the fantasy of what you don't have, you see. It, it, it's always you comparing your insides with other people's outsides, thinking if I could just get this, I'd be happy. If I could just get that, I'd be happy. It's just a matter of focus. Focus is there's something, wrong with, there's something wrong with everything. Most of your life, I promise you, if we're talking about your marriage, your job, whatever, it's about 85% positive and 15% negative. But what most people do is they focus on the 15% that's wrong, and they talk about it, they pray about it, you know, they dream about it, and they wonder why their 100% feelings are negative. 
See, it's just what you choose to focus on. I mean, go out there. You know the way the world is. The lane you're in slows down, right? The reason it slows down because you're in it. You switch lanes, you just slow down the other lane. You know, that's, what, that's the way it works. You know? the, the, the mate that snores goes to sleep first. That's just life. That's the way it works. The barcode never works on the most embarrassing item. <laughs> I raised three girls. I know that one. My wife used to hand me that grocery list and I say, I'm not buying that. She'd say, Yes, you are. You the daddy, you buying that. You know how daddies are. Try to sneak through, nobody looking, you know. Price check, they wave it. I'm saying, I'll pay anything. Put that down. <laughs> I was gonna teach my daughter Brienne how to learn to ride the bicycle. Took her to Wet n' Wild Water Park. It's a huge water park there in Dallas. Fall of the year, not a car in the parking lot. I said, Brienne, look at all this asphalt. You're going to be a bike rider just like your big sister. Had to learn how to ride on sand or rock, but you, you're going to go on asphalt. You're going to go fast, feel the wind against your face. You're going to be a bike rider. She was excited. I was excited. Got that bike out. Look at all that asphalt. I said, Daddy, what's that way down there? I don't worry about that. Look at all this asphalt. You're a bike rider. Well, that's a pole. Well, I don't worry about that. Look at all this asphalt. You're going to be a bike rider. What if I hit the pole? You're not going to hit the pole, Brian. Look at all this asphalt. Well, if I hit the pole, it's going to hurt. It's not going to hurt because you're not going to hit the pole. Now get on a bicycle. <laughs> you know, I teach a kid how to ride a bike. Don't run like crazy. Feel the wind to get your face. You're a bike rider. What if I hit that pole? You're not going to hit the pole, Brian. Go. And she heads straight for the pole. <laughs> Daddy, I'm headed for the pole. Turn it to the right. Look at all that asphalt. Just turn it to the right. I can't turn it to the right. I'm headed for the pole. Turn it to the left. Look at all, turn it to the left. I can't turn I'm. She mutilated that pole. <laughs> By the time I got there, lips stuck out, tears in her eyes. I told you I was going to hit the pole. I said, I know, Brienne, because you focused on the pole. Let me tell you why some of you are miserable people to be around. Because <laughs> you're pole hitters. <laughs> you look for the poles. Here a pole, there a pole, everywhere a pole, pole. <laughs> I'm probably in 60 churches a year. I meet all kind of people in all kind of churches. And a lot of them are just pole hitters. <laughs> It's too loud. I couldn't hear. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's flag day. Flag wasn't big enough. Prayer day. Prayer wasn't long enough. <laughs> Just pole hitters. Pole hitters. I speak to business the same way. You got pole hitters in your business. They're everywhere. You got a pole in your family. I guarantee you got a pole in your family. Every family tree's got a sap. You got a pole in your family. And you don't enjoy Christmas dinner. Why? Because you talk about the pole. What if the pole comes? What if the pole doesn't come? What if the pole comes drunk like last year? What if the pole brings her that other pole? Now, what are we going to do about that pole? 
It's always been that way. It always will be that way. Until God creates a new heaven and a new earth, that's the way it's going to be down here. Always been that way. Remember the first church relocation committee? They had a chance to go to the promised land. The promised land. How good is that? Not good enough. (laughs) Ten came back not with grapes, with gripes. We're not going to the promised land. Poles. Big poles, giants. We're not going. Not going to the promised land. Two came back with grapes. Look, look how big these grapes are. Look, what God said is true. Look, they're huge. Oh, that's proof, all right. Only big giants could grow big grapes like that. We're not going. Read the book. They didn't go. They decided to spend the rest of their lives in pitiful land, griping and complaining instead of in the promised land being grateful for what God provided for them. Unfortunately, many times the same percentage holds up today that most people choose to live in pitiful land, griping and complaining, instead of the promised land being grateful for what God has provided them. Remember, it's not the facts. The facts are there's something wrong with everything. It's what you choose to focus on. Grandma and Grandpa, they took their grandkids on vacation. I'm a, I'm a grandpa. I'm, I'm not a, well, I'm a papa. They get, women get to pick the names. I don't know who, who decided that, but that's what they do. So my wife picked Mimi. So what am I going to be? PP? You know? Uh, so uh, I said, I am not PP. Uh, so I'm papa. Okay, I'm papa. And so. Uh, but this, this couple, they took their grandkids on vacation. They turned on, the, turned on the interstate and saw this big sign, Natural Park. They thought, oh, that'd be good for the grandkids, nature trails, things like that. They pull in and realize this really is a natural park. Let me be politically correct here. Clothing optional lifestyle. <laughs> Nudist camp, okay, understand? For you Bubba's, I'm talking naked people, okay? Uh, They got their grandkids. They can't get the car turned around. Here's four people on bicycles coming right at them, dressed as jaybirds, you mean, and not a stitch, coming right at them. They they can't get the car turned around, so they're trying to put their hands up so the grandkids can't see, but you know grandkids. Look at at those people, Papa. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them, they don't have, look at them, they don't have, look at them, they, they, they don't have, look at them, they, they don't have their safety helmets on. <laughs> now, how could they focus on that? Because that's what they've been taught all their life to focus on. You know what the book says? You're to focus on things that are praiseworthy. That means you're to focus on the good stuff. In fact, you know what the book says? Don't even speak a negative word. Every word you speak should be a word of edification and a good word. You say, well, how can you do that? You do it by faith because you know if there's a God in the situation, eventually there'll be the good in the situation. You see, the cross is the biggest plus sign in your life. What the cross says is this. What the world can do to you, God can take and use for you. If he can take the worst thing that anybody could do to somebody, the cross, and make it the best thing for everybody, then he can take whatever the world throws at you and turn it around and use it for his glory and your good. You see, if you give people the power, you will pity yourself and be a very miserable person. Those people are always telling you how they did this 
person made me mad. They did this. They, their favorite hymns, I love to tell the story. They tell it over and over and over again. How miserable people have made them. If you give people the power, you'll pity yourself. But if you give God the power, you will pity other people. Because no matter what they do to you, God can take it and use it for you. Appreciate what you have. You say, well, Charles, you don't understand. I don't, I don't have much to appreciate. Well, let me help you here. Just be thankful for your nose. I mean, just be glad God put your nose on right side up. I mean, what if God put your nose on upside down? I mean, every time it rained, you'd drown. <laughs> and every time you sneezed, you'd blow your thankless head off. So be thankful for your nose. Appreciate what you have. Then S stands for serve. Serve out of who you are. Don't try to impress people with what you do. You say, what do you mean by serve? Well, that means you find your purpose in life. You see, these pleasures have to be overcome by something stronger than the, than the passion of pleasure, and that's the purpose of God in your life. The more attention you feel in the present, the more extension you have to have with the vision of what God wants to do with you. That's why the Bible says without a vision, you'll perish. If you can't see what God has for you, the very best for you, you won't be able to handle these things down here. Serve really means this, that we're in the family business with God. Matter of fact, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, makes it very clear when it says, even when people do evil against you, you don't do evil back. When people revile against you, you don't revile back. Here's what you do. You bless them. You bless them. Why? Because that's why God puts you here. And he says, when you bless other people, God will bless you. Now, here's the key. If you don't get this, you'll still get miserable and you'll still get negative. Most of us think we're blessing people and we think that eventually they will bless us back. So we just keep blessing. And you bless this person and you bless this person and you bless this person and then you're getting tired of blessing, aren't you? And you're thinking, well, when am I going to get some blessing back? And then you start saying things to yourself like, uh, after all I've done for that person. You know? And then you start all that negative talk. Here's the key. You're not blessing people so they can bless you back. You're blessing people so God will bless you back. Some people will never bless you back. We can't understand the emotional because we can't see it, but we can see the physical. I had an abscessed tooth one time, and I can remember it's, it may be the most pain I've ever had. It seemed like every step I would take, my tooth, my whole body would throb. Now, when I was in that much pain, was I thinking about somebody else? No. I was thinking about only myself. Why? Because I was in so much pain. I was just trying to survive, and I was thinking only of myself. Some people in your life, usually at least one, are in so much emotional pain. You may even think at it if they've abscessed emotionally, and they're so in so much pain, they cannot think of anything but their survival. And so no matter how many times you bless them, they're unable to bless you back. But you can keep it up when you understand, I'm waiting on God to bless me back because he owns all the fields. The Bible says, what's your man sows, that shall he also reap. And we think that happens in the field where we plant it. If you're a farmer and you plant corn, you go to the same field, but not with God. He owns all the fields. And you plant here, he may let you harvest over here. Once you understand that, you start to serve out of who you are, waiting on God 
to do the rest. And then L-A-S-T. T stands for tell yourself who has the power. Most people in life know what to do. They just don't have the power to do it. Most people I've worked with, they want to get off drugs. They just don't have the power to do it. Most people I've worked with in marriages, they want to have a great marriage. They just don't have the power to do it. I want to tell you, there's power just in the name of Jesus. Got this series out about raising kids. And I describe what it's like for a kid to go to the grocery store. You ever watch kids in the grocery store? You take this kid and you stick him in this iron seat. Boom! And you say, kid, I'm going to stick you in this iron seat. and You're going to stay there the whole time. Me, I'm going to walk around and get anything I want, kid. You're not going to get anything you want, but I'm going to get everything I want, kid. And not only that, kid, I'm going to make you sit on what I get. It's going to be a great day, kid. <laughs> well, most kids don't do well in grocery stores. Lady heard that series, wrote me a letter, said that's exactly what I did. Said, uh, Went to the grocery store, stuck my kid in the iron seat, said, I got 30 minutes to get groceries. I don't want to hear a word out of you. And start pushing up down the aisle, piling stuff on. That little boy just watching all that stuff, watching all that stuff. Said he got about the third aisle, and he spotted some chocolate chip cookies. Said, Mama, look, you think I could have some of those chocolate chip? Sit down. I told you I'm in a hurry. Got a couple aisles over. Maybe one. Two, three, maybe not. Sit. Got to the last aisle. Just one. Sit. Got to check out. You know, wait and try to get to the counter. She said, I glanced down. and said, I knew something was going to happen. I didn't know what his eyes just lit up. I've never seen the boy, but I got, you got to see him in your mind. In my mind, he's like a three-year-old boy in yellow feety pajamas. That's just how I see him in my mind. She says, all of a sudden, this boy stood straight up in his iron seat, put his hands toward heaven and said, in the name of Jesus, give me some chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Everybody in the grocery store just started clapping. She said, it was like a thunderous ovation. They just kept clapping. And so I ran and got the chocolate chip cookies. Now, what can we learn from a little boy in yellow feety pajamas? Well, a couple of things. First one is this. When you get to check out, and eventually you will get to check out, all right? Death runs in my family. I, I think it runs in yours, right? <laughs> pretty much come in this world, no teeth, no hair, no bladder control. That's pretty much how you're going out, okay? You're going to die. <laughs> Don't get arrogant about life. It's a short trip from diapers to depends, I promise you. Uh, when you get to check out, remember the name of Jesus. That's the only name that's going to get you into God's heaven. You know, I, li I live on the road, and I have to constantly watch what I eat because we're always eating out. And I'm always looking at, you know, diets and stuff. Like right, right now, I'm on a three-week diet, and I've lost like 21 days. And so... Uh, <laughs> but I'm always looking for stuff, and I saw the other day... Ten ways to flatten your stomach. I thought, man, that'd be good. And then I thought, wait a minute. I just need one way that works. You know, uh, there's not ten ways to get into God's heaven. There's just one way. And it's Jesus. 
He's the only one that lived that life that your Adam suit cannot live. That's why God's got to kill it to get you into heaven. You'll never be able to redeem this body. Jesus lived the life you couldn't live. And then he died the death. You couldn't die. He conquered death so you could be in his forever family. Make sure by the time you get to check out, you know Jesus. And then secondly, probably more important for us who are Christ followers, there's some of you in a relationship and the emotion of love is dead. It's dead. I would ask you to call on the name of Jesus because this Jesus has been known to bring dead things back to life. You see, I've worked with people who said they hated each other and they call on the name of Jesus and now they love each other. There's power just in the name of Jesus. Matter of fact, there's two powers in this world. There's the power of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. They've chosen to change the world by blessing the world. Even at Calvary, when they could have blasted the world, they chose to bless the world. But there's another power, the power of the evil one, Satan, the accuser, the liar. And at every opportunity, he will blast you. At every opportunity, he will blast you. And at every opportunity, God the Father will bless you. Two powers. One chooses to bless. One chooses to blast. I, I like country music. Some of it isn't very good. Matter of fact, this song isn't very good, but it's got a great title. You know what the title is? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? You see, if I could follow you around for a couple of weeks and see whether you bless or whether you blast, I would know who's your daddy. Because our Father has chosen to change the world by blessing the world. And he's chosen to bless the world through us. And he promises when you bless others, I will bless you, and you will have the life you dreamed of having. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, thank you that you're such a good God. Thank you that you're our God because of Jesus Christ. Lord, there's someone here that's never trusted you as Savior. Lord, give them the faith to believe, not in a religion or being good or any kind of thing they can do but in trusting what you did for them through living the life they could not live and then dying on a cross so that you and me, that we could enter into God's forever family. All you ever wanted was a family, and you included us. Thank you for what you're going to do through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did you enjoy Charles this morning? Could I just ask you to do something? Could we just bow your heads with me? Because he, Charles, I don't want to add to what he said. He said it so right. Jesus lived a life you can't live, and he died a death that you and I can't die. And, and somebody could say, well, Mark, I can die. What do you mean by that? Well, he died as an innocent person. See, I, if, I, if I died for my sins, I couldn't pay for them. But Jesus, being innocent, died for my sins. 
And the way God looked at it, the blood that came out of his body is a currency that paid for your sins and my sins. So here's the question. How do you, how do you get in on that? You know, for me, the, the quintessential issue, dysfunctional issue with religion is that it tells me if I'm good, then God will accept me. Well, good in God's sight is perfect, and I can't be perfect for 30 minutes. So what that tells me is that religion is never an option for me. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came in our place, died for us, so that if we have eternal life through him, it's through what he's done and not through what we do. So how do you get that? My favorite verse on, the, on salvation of the Bible is Romans chapter 10, verse 13. that says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I think my favorite word there is whoever. Because if it, weren't there, if it wasn't there, I, I, I wouldn't know if I could go to heaven. Because I know about me. Don't you know about you? I mean, all of us know the worst things we've ever done, the worst days of our life, the worst decisions we've made. And if knowing so much about ourselves, we could say, well, maybe God won't accept me. But whoever means whoever. I mean, whatever your background is, how you grew up, all the problems or issues, what people have done to you, what you've done to people, you know, how much you make for a living, whether you're male or female, whether you... You know, whatever race you are, God is saying whoever. It doesn't matter. Whoever calls. When I think about call, I always think about somebody drowning who's crying out for help. And that's what that word means. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus, will be saved. It's as simple as it gets. And so I always look at that statement and think, I can't be good, but I can call. I can ask for help. So if you're here today and you say, Mark, I just want to take that step. I want to make that decision. I'm going to pray a prayer that calls, and these aren't magic words, and it's so much about what you feel and think that I'm going to pray it slowly, phrase by phrase, so you can decide if you want to own these, this, this prayer and pray it to God. And if you want to, you can pray it with me, okay? Would you just bow your heads with me just a second, okay? Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I can't fix myself, but I believe you love me anyway. I believe Jesus died for my sins and I believe he came back to life. So I'm asking him to be my savior and my king. Help me to turn from my own way of living. Give me the power to follow Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, if, I've been talking in the South Auditorium. If those of you in the South Auditorium, if you just go right outside the door, there's a place called Guest Services. Take a Talk to Us card. You got one when you came in. If you didn't, there's one in the seat back in front of you. Just fill it out and say, I prayed to receive Christ. If you're in the North Auditorium, there's one right around the corner. Thanks for being here. We start chasing the star next week. <laughs>